Teach me about the Great Lakes. Teach me about the Great Lakes. Welcome back to Teach Me About the Great Lakes and exactly twice monthly podcast in which I, a Great Lakes novice, ask people who are smarter and harder working than I am to teach me all about the Great Lakes. My name is Sir Carlton. We're here live at JASM 2022. That's right, the conference that must be enunciated carefully, lest they get confused for something else. My name is Sir Carlton, and I know a lot about media coverage of areas of concern in the Great Lakes region between 2011 and 2021, but I don't know a lot about the Great Lakes, and that is the purpose of this here show. And so we're lucky today to be joined by a whole bunch of people. The first person with me here is Carolyn Foley. Carolyn, what's up? Um, you just called me Ray from the Ghostbusters, and I'm cool with that. Oh, good. I wasn't sure if you'd be cool. I wasn't sure how invested you would be in, like, the Egon thing. Yeah. No, I'm good. You're Ray. You're the heart of Teach Me About the Great Lakes, so that's fine. Yeah. And also joined today by... <laughs> it's the legendary, the rare... She needs her own theme song, but she doesn't have it because I haven't written it yet. Hope Charters. You're Hope, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> The rare person who well immediately says you're welcome for appearing on our show. Well, thank you, Hope, for, for deigning to appear on our, our podcast, the one that you and I planned initially, and you appeared on the first two episodes of. And we will have a special guest galore. Well, just one special guest coming up momentarily. But before we do, so uh, uh, teach me about the Great Lakes hero, Monty and Rose, the uh, two piping clovers who settled in uh, Chicago. The cotton balls with toothpick legs. Yeah, the Cotton Balls with Toothpicks Legs episode, I'm not sure, but it'll be in the show notes, so just look in the show notes for the episode number. Uh, Monty sadly died over the weekend. Suddenly, uh, he was, you know, he was about four or five years old at least, and, and Clovers, that's, you know, that's their lifespan, so it's not necessarily shocking, um, but it is sad. And then even doubly sad is Rose has not uh, shown up yet at Montrose Beast this year, I don't think. Yeah, it's a bummer, especially, you know, they're really, really cute. Yeah, they are really cute. It gets me thinking a lot about the powers of symbols, in all honesty. Like, we talk a lot about the power of, like, a symbol and how important that could be. You know, for example, on our website at iicgrant.org, we have our value statement, right? And it's just like a statement. It doesn't do anything, but it's a powerful symbol of, like, who we are and, and, and what have you. And, and that's really powerful. In Monty and Rose, it's two plovers out of, I mean, there are dozens of them. Alive. But, but that, that symbol is really important. Um, and, and so it's, it's worth taking a minute to, to think about that. And... Um, so we'll have more on this in a future episode, I think. But for now, uh, we do recognize it, and, and uh, we're sorry. Um, I was really inspired last year by the story of Monty and Rose. I hadn't heard it before then. And uh, I think that it's, um, you know, it's something worth marking. So, uh, Monty and Rose, we will uh, pour one out for you uh, here at the Grand Rapids Brewing Company. But on to other things. So, today... Live, we have a special guest and some fun and some games planned. Our special guest today is uh, Ed Verhamey, and we're going to bring him on. But first, we are going to have, um, what should we do, Carolyn? You, pick, you read these and pick one. Our guest today is a great friend of Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. It's Ed Verhamey, who is a uh, senior engineer and principal, I think, at Limnotech. Is that the right uh, title? Uh, yes, it is. New title. New title. Congratulations. Principal senior engineer. Principal senior. Principal senior. So it's one title. Yes. 
It's a great title, Ed. Thank you so much for coming on about Teach Me About the Great Lakes. And so for those who don't know, Limnotech uh, are the ones who manage our buoys, including, or not manage, that's not true, but they build and help deploy. Uh, we manage, very much we manage, uh, <laughs> our buoys, and uh, including the brand new... Chewy. 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 Uh, who was recently um, put out there, the brilliantly named, if I do say so myself, Chewy. So, Ed, how long have you been doing buoy stuff? I've been doing buoys since uh, 2010. 2010. Yes. So, how many buoys have you helped to, to birth in, in the, the 12 years since then? Birth, B-E-R-T-H. <laughs> birth, B-E-R-T-H. Uh, you know, we're up to, um, we're going to be close to like 40 to 50 buoys total yeah. at the end of this year. No kidding. And this, so those are all through Limnotech. And, and y'all deploy them. Is it all in Lake Michigan or where, where are they? I mean, we're, we're helping people do all kinds, like building buoys, selling them, putting them out ourselves. So they're, they're in Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, Lake Erie. All the lakes. And even out west, right? Actually, yeah. We have buoys on Crater Lake in Oregon and even down by San Diego. Oh, man. So those are in prettier terrain. <laughs> so which buoy is in the most beautiful uh, location? Oh, my God. Crater Lake, Oregon. Yeah, that's what is I Stunning. <laughs> the Oregon coast is the most beautiful place I think I've ever been. Yeah. But I'm going to jump in and say, Ed, you do much more than buoys. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, buoys, are, they're just an interesting intersection of this science engineering. Um, and it really goes back to the modeling side. I mean, how do we understand how lakes work? So I think the, you know, we can certainly try and make a mathematical model of the system, but how do we actually get live measurements? So I think that's where my job is sort of transition to, uh, you know, our, our understanding of how lakes work. We, we just need more measurements of it. So. And so, so, yeah, so one thing I've learned is like the technology is advancing really quickly, right? And so what are some of the kind of new sensors that help you to get those measurements for your models? I mean, some of the new sensors, I mean... You know, we've, well, added web cameras, which, I mean, that's been really great to just see the lakes. We're also adding uh, chlorophyll sensors. You know, we can monitor harmful algal blooms. We can monitor oxygen. So I think we're just, you know, trying to understand the, like, weird parts of the Great Lakes. You know, we kind of know that the lakes do these weird things. Algal blooms in Lake Superior. How do we know they're there? You know, we monitor them now. So. so the buoys can detect algal blooms and things like that? Yeah, definitely. What sensor? Do, do you have a, like an algal sensor? What is the sensor for that? Uh, so these are LEDs that okay. are specific wavelengths. No. Uh, one's green and one's going to be blue. So for the blue, the, for, for the blue-green algae, I mean, they're literally called blue-green algae. So, right. Yeah. And so it just it senses that color. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, you'll... Think of all the different colors you can make with uh, TV screens and LED technology. Yeah. And they can stick it in a tiny sensor, shine it at the water, and you can tell what it's absorbing and what's bouncing back. So, so what? Um, and so then you use that modeling. What type of modeling do you? So how does this factor into modeling? I guess we talk about models a lot on this. Yeah, show. yeah. I mean, you know, math folks try to understand every part of the environment. You know, we try and understand every drop of water, every pound of phosphorus. So these mathematical models are just translating physics, chemistry, and biology into a mathematical equation. It's really grounding our, our reality. And I think we're used to weather models from the weather. I mean, we all, like, weather modeling is based off of the same types of phenomena, chemistry, physics, and how is air moving. So, like, we have those same models for water. 
One other thing, because we're at the Joint Aquatic Sciences meeting. Jasm. Um, yes. Jasm. Yes. Um, <laughs> you are a past president of yes. International Association for Great Lakes Research, correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. And you're actually a pretty big part of making this meeting happen. Yeah, I think this, this conference has been like five years in the making. I mean, you know, Agler, we, we just studied the large lakes of the world, including the Great Lakes. I mean, there's 3,000 plus people here that are studying freshwater in general. So certainly the Great Lakes contain freshwater. And so it's really great to bring together nine different scientific societies that understand the, you know, fish really well, that understand the benthos really well. So we have all these experts on every part of water, and they're here thinking about the Great Lakes um, as well. So I think it's really neat to see this, like, intersectionality of all these scientists. And these people, I mean, there's 60 different countries represented here. So it's really a global expertise that is studying water. I mean, this is the, like, it's the, like, nerdiest, geekiest science conference about water <laughs> ever held. That is perfect. So, so Limnotech is your company, right? And, and, uh, we, but y'all are expanding, right? And so you have this new, uh, new deal. Is, is, is yeah, that right? Yeah, so I've been working at Limnotech for 18 years now, yeah. um, which is a long time. And I'm yeah. really happy to have been starting to work with all this technology, all these sensors. And, you know, like you kind of reach a point, And this is kind of where we're getting into like Elon Musk land here. Elon Musk money by any chance? I mean, maybe he'll buy, my, you know, buy a new. So, so we just started a new company that's focused on technology. I think it's like, you know, we think about where does tech come from? It's, it's a very complex answer. And I think in the Great Lakes, we haven't thought enough about how we build, develop and source our own technology locally. I think we all think of Detroit as this like, yeah, that's where cars come from. But why can't that be where online nutrient analyzers come from as well? <laughs> It's such a good question. Of course. Just, Why isn't just, that the first thought in everybody's mind? It rolls mind. right off your tongue. So anyway, so, so we just started a new company called Freeboard Technology, which is just really trying to like have, have all of us work together. We all have these same problems on all the Great Lakes, and that technology element is hard for everyone. So I think the more tech we can see, the more we can attract talent, the more we can get kids and, and college students to be interested in staying in the Great Lakes and, and apply technology here, I'm, I'm all about it. So that's what freeboard technology is. So, so that's real vague, which is fine. And maybe it's too early to know, but like, what, is, what, what do you mean by like applied technology? Is it new types of sensors? Is it new types of like computer model stuff? What yeah. Is... Well, I mean, again, you just think of your iPhone. Like, yeah. That's an incredible like density. times a day, I it's think, of my iPhone. incredible density of technology. And uh, honestly, like if we could have that thought process to a buoy, yeah. these buoys would be the size of a Coke can oh, and right. be everywhere. But, you know, we don't have those yet, and we should. And the technology's there, and we just haven't got to it. So, you know, instead of two yellow buoys, like, we're going to be to, like, the... 377 plus million. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is really, like, R&D type stuff, then. Absolutely, yeah. So we're going to have, you know, lots more buoys. And we're already, just even after starting the company... We're going to be doubling the number of buoys in Lake Erie in the first year. So just if you think about technology for just a moment, we can just double and triple in size what we can do. So that's what, that's what I'm excited to be doing with Freeboard Technology. Interesting. So, Ed. Yes. We have a plan for today. 
we got the past or the current president. No, current I, president. Yeah, I don't rightly know when the gavel gets passed, but current president Annie Bramberger, who's from Environment and Climate Change Canada, we asked him a couple of questions. Okay. And okay, I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a dating game. This is like a. It, it is like a yeah, dating yeah, yeah. game. Yes. You said you were going to make a game of nutrients theme song. I, you know, I did say that, and I know what it was going to be like. But the thing is, I didn't actually make it. Because but can of you reasons. like hum it? I can't hum it. But the thing is, it actually reminds me. I was thinking about it. It's like a showdown, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is exactly like a showdown. Yeah, maybe they got some uh, Colt forty fives. Yeah, sitting there. Yeah, so let's uh, let's just uh, do this. Yeah. It always seems like such a good idea, like it, in the in the cold confines of my office and recording studio. So, some people try to tell you it's not a great idea sometimes. <laughs> but, all right. So, Ed, here's the deal. We're going to ask a question. You okay. just go for it and answer. Then we'll play Andy's answer. Okay. And we'll see how similar. So, Andy, do you have Andy's introduction lined up? Yeah, um, so my name is Andy Bramberger. I'm a research scientist with Environment and Climate Change Canada, um, and I'm currently the president of the International Association for Great Lakes Research uh, until, I guess, sometime in June this year. Um, My research focuses mostly on phytoplankton and algal ecology in large lakes, and a lot of that is looking at how environmental stressors, both natural and anthropogenic, so read that as climate change, I suppose, uh, affect dynamics and structure of algae communities. Um, my background, really, I, I did a lot of work in ancient lakes uh, in Indonesia. Um, so I'm a bit of a tropical ecologist. And it, it always makes me think of tropical ecology when I, I see the changes that we're seeing associated with our lakes getting warmer and warmer here in temperate systems. Um, but I've also done work in, in the Canadian Arctic and Florida Everglades and, and basically freshwater systems all over the world. Ed, of the Great Lakes, which lake, if any, is most negatively affected by nutrient runoff? Wow, that should be an easy question. <laughs> but, you know, this is a game show, so right. I, like, do you go for the easy answer? That's is it? Are we thinking the same thing? Is he trying to get as close to Andy as possible? Go is that with the, your gut. Or is he, I, there's no winner. There's no winner. There's always a winner. Is this like Hollywood Squares? Is this kind of like the... It's similar. Less innuendo, hopefully, but uh, we'll see. Okay. All right, give me your gut Andy's answer. Question. Okay, Lake Erie. All right, is that negatively affected? Let's see what Andy said. Negatively affected? Uh, in my opinion, Lake Erie is the most negatively affected by... Right. Um, you know, we can we can call Lake St. Clair, I guess, a, a pretty good lake. You know, it's it's kind of like Lake Champlain and Lake of the Woods and Lake Simcoe. It's not Thanks, quite a great Andy. lake, but it's pretty good. Right. So to be fair, when to I be asked, fair. To be fair. To be fair. Um, when I 
when I asked Andy the question, I was like, you can include Lake St. Clair in there. And that's why he said Lake Clair, Lake St. Clair was a pretty good lake, but not uh, a great lake. Yeah, that is not a great lake. <laughs> it's not a great Is it even pretty good? It is say? included in Lake Erie. Functionally, it's Lake Erie. Wait, how does a lake get included in Lake Erie? You know, Erie? you got to divide the line somewhere. Oh, so. right. It's kind of like Lake Huron and what's Port, the other one? Port Huron. Port yeah. Huron is the official governmental dividing line. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, Lake St. Clair is sort of like a delta. Uh, yes, it is. It's a beautiful, beautiful lake, but it is a part of Lake Erie, I but would say. But not that great. I mean, yeah. it's technically a part of the connecting channels, which are really cool features of the Great Lakes, but... But the show isn't called Teach Me About the Kind of Cool Lakes. So. I mean, it's not Teach Me About the Connecting Channels. Right. No, no, no. So. That's, a different, that's a different show. Okay. All right, all right. Question, Question two. two. So exciting. Which lake, if any, is the most positively inf- affected by nutrient runoff? All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, before you say this, we're going to do a drum roll. So you need to wait for the drum roll, and then there will be the drum roll, and then you say it. Lake Superior. Lake Superior. Ooh, all right, let's no, see. No, 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 wait for it. Let's hear your reasoning first. I mean, if there was no runoff at all, it would be just like a body of distilled water. <laughs> Nothing could live there. Oh, so Lake Superior benefits from having yes. some runoff nutrients. I mean, if the Duluth estuary wasn't there, yeah. it would be a very sterile place. So would there be like a lot of fish and stuff in there, or would it be too... No. All right, so here's a question. Before I mean, there's already through. not that many fish in Lake Don't Superior to begin question. with. Don't do it. All Don't right. do it. Here's a question. Is Lake Michigan too clean? Some people think it is. Some people say that Lake Michigan is too clean. Some people say that Lake Michigan is too clean. But it's often said that at this point, Lake Michigan is too clean. Nutrient expert, Ed Verhamey, would you say Lake Michigan is too clean? You know, that's a relative question. So Lake, It's a yes or no question, actually. I, the answer is yes. It is too clean. So, so why would you say it's too clean? Based on what? I mean, it's, we've had an invasion, an incredible invasion of zebra and quagga mussels, and they've cleared it up. So Lake, Lake Michigan and Huron are cleaner than, clearer than Lake Superior, which is hard to fathom. And it shouldn't be. And so, like, the overall kind of biological productivity is, is reduced? Is that the deal? Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear what Andy said. Uh, in some ways, that could also be Lake Erie. And it, it really depends on, you know, sort of what your your focus is. As as an algae person, you know, it, it's it's really hard to say from an algae perspective. It, it's, you know, looking at harmful algae blooms, that's certainly what we would think of anthropogenically as a negative response uh, or a negative impact. In other areas, those blooms have been occurring probably before people were around. Uh, certainly, we've made them worse in a lot of cases. But Lake Erie also supports a really fantastic and valuable commercial and sport fishery. Um, so, you know, there's debates both in Lake Erie and Lake Ontario as to whether our phosphorus targets are too strict and um, whether further reductions in phosphorus, although they may help our algae problems, uh, if that will negatively affect those very valuable fisheries. Uh, again, the jury's still out on how tightly linked offshore fisheries are to nearshore phosphorus uh, inputs. So, you know, that being said, Lake Erie probably benefits in terms of, of you know, walleye and, and perch production. 
I mean, I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It can't be the worst lake and the best lake. You know, you can't. For, for the record, I believe I agree with you. Yes, <laughs> but it's an interesting point. It gets to that same thing we're talking about, right? Is that the nutrients are, are they're just a, a factor of an ecosystem, and so if there are more or less nutrients, it kind of it can change the way that things it changes the way the ecosystem is, and sometimes that's good. It in, improves the fishery. Uh, in the case, that's what he's saying about Lake Erie because of the phosphorus potentially. Yeah. But then in Lake Michigan, it's, it, there's not enough phosphorus, and so the fishery is reduced. But there are other considerations, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so there's a stat about Lake Erie that I still to this day do not understand. They say that Lake Erie has more fish than all of the other Great Lakes combined. Really? I don't believe that. But, but how do they live with all the habs? I don't know. I mean, it must be like, I just think of a fish tank, and if you filled your fish tank with fish we need to find a fisheries biologist and have yeah. them prove this to us yeah like, like they should be able to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt i have not no we'll, we'll get brian roth on we'll get roth back on and ask him we need like a judge judy we can hear both sides and there we go i don't know if it's true but we'll have judge brian roth oh my god this is the best idea i've had in quite some time thank you ed yes we'll invite you back on and andy and we'll have judge brian roth and then you can we'll do a uh Total, I'm not even kidding. All right, great. All right, uh, let's keep rolling. We're running low on time. All right, next question. There aren't many left. What is the coolest way to monitor nutrients? The coolest way? The coolest way. Coolest way. Uh, I'll just... Oh, my God. I mean, for me, the coolest way is with an online nutrient analyzer that can process a analytical lab sample in the field and send that result to the Internet and just show it on my phone within 20 minutes so that is the like hands down <laughs> that, coolest I'll way i'll be honest that is the cool i thought chewy was the coolest way but that's an even cooler way tied it's tied to me the coolest way to monitor nutrients is to look at what the algae are doing um and i, I say this for a lot of reasons uh, one is just because i i i feel like our reliance upon instruments um is maybe a little bit putting the cart before the horse or maybe uh, um, overlooking some of the, the important connections um, and mechanisms that are at play before we just go out and, you know, dip a probe and look at chlorophyll. Um, even within that, you know, looking at chlorophyll tells you a fair bit about how much algal biomass is in the water, but it doesn't tell you who's there. It doesn't tell you what they're doing. Um, but we've developed over years really, you know, well-documented tight relationships between certain algal indicators um, and nutrient status um, and a whole suite of other parameters um, within the lakes. So to be able to, you know, look at, at, at those indicators, you're essentially asking the algae what they're seeing um, and they can track those things either on a much more rapid timescale than we'd ever be able to go out and, and sample every day. Um, or on the other hand, you can look at how they'll assimilate and the communities will, will kind of coalesce or change over time. So it's a really nice way to look at sort of whatever time scale you want, whatever level of spatial resolution you want. And, uh, you know, they're, they're fun to look at in a microscope, which to me makes it a cool way to monitor nutrients. So this is fun because what we essentially have is like these two poles, right? He's like talking about this old school analog, looking at the algae to monitor the nutrients, which is good. And you're talking, I don't remember what you said because, you know, but, um, and you were talking about the, this really high tech in your pocket situation, right? Yeah. I mean, 
you know, it's like the difference between the sundial and a smartphone. Right. I mean, one will, they'll both tell you the time. One's just a lot cooler. But I think this, the sundial might be cooler I than the smartphone. I feel like Stuart is still on the sundial. Yeah, I'm like, wait I mean, a minute. It's true. I mean, have you, tar- have you tried taking a Secutus measurement when it's cloudy? It doesn't work. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, if you could tell our listeners one thing about nutrients in the Great Lakes, what would it be? Wow. Um, I don't know if anyone watches RuPaul here. RuPaul. <laughs> so RuPaul has this, uh, like, reading is fundamental. So I say nutrients are fundamental. I mean, they're a part of every part of your life. I think just thinking about the, uh, I mean, algae or plants, they need nutrients. So they're fundamental to the growth, production, everything. So, again, that's, that's what I would say. They're a fundamental element. Yes. All right. I'll just say what Andy said. He was like, and we'll edit it in later. He was like, that they're not the be all and end all. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, that's no. like the opposite. Yeah. That it's not the be all and end all that everyone makes it out to be. Um, even with respect to harmful algae blooms, certainly phosphorus is, is what fuels the fire to a large extent. Um, but when we start looking through, decades or centuries that human beings have been in the Great Lakes Basin, the overwhelming signal that we see is one of of climate and warming and lake stratification. Um, And that even sort of overwhelms the signals that we see of of cultural eutrophication and recovery. So it it is important, especially in terms of absolute biomass or absolute production or how quickly that system is turning over carbon. Um, But what determines who's there what their sort of metabolic capabilities or community metabolic capabilities are um, and the ultimate fate of carbon that enters the food web can be due in large part to climate change or stratification. So, you know, it's, it is really important to think about nutrients. It is really important to regulate nutrients. um, But it's important that we think about it in the context of, of the larger biological community and what other drivers might be changing the system that you know we we frequently overlook i think in our uh, in our attempts to manage is there anything else you want to share at this point that we'll maybe get into this episode yeah i, I don't know i mean talking about nutrients so i will say i'm very biased in that i only think about the p <laughs> title there it is done and done and done <laughs> and i don't think about the n that much so p and n the other thing that I heard the other day is someone told me, don't pee in my lake. And also we have some brochures called don't pee on your lawn. So. And, and it, just, it just sticks with me. I mean, there's that, <laughs> there's that part of nutrients that's very relatable. So, you know. Ed, this has been really fascinating. And we've really liked hearing about all the different technology you use. Of course, we love the work you do with our buoys and things like that. And, and your thoughts on nutrients in which you're an expert. And, and you have, uh, I'll be honest, I think you won that game. Um, I mean, only because yes. I didn't play. I, I'm sorry, Andy. You no, know. it's fine. He's he's overwhelmed with Iagler duties, right? It's a heavy as the head that wears the crown. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to know that even when it's between Andy and Eddie, Stewart still thinks that he is the winner. No, I would have won had I played. Probably. Absolutely not. He would have killed you too. Well, I'm glad I didn't play then because I value my life. But anyway, I, w- I will say, Andy, he he's still cooler than me. Like, I, if, if if you haven't met Andy. He is an awesome, cool, laid-back guy. And, like, he talks so serious on this show. Like, he's 
Like, I don't know. He's, well, he's got his Iagler hat on. He does. Again, he's head, got his Iagler hat on. But that's actually not why we invited you on Teach Me About the Great Lakes this week. The reason we invite you on Teach Me About the Great Lakes is we asked you two questions. And the first one is this. If you could choose to have a great donut for breakfast or a great sandwich for lunch, which would you choose? Oh, my God. The first one's donut? Yeah, a donut for breakfast or a sandwich for lunch. I mean, Boston cream donut. Donut for breakfast. I mean... Team donut. So many people choose sandwich, and I am always disappointed. Donut, absolutely, boss. I mean, you ever walk in the donut store and you're like, at a glance, you can be like, "There's my donut right there." <laughs> you can just see it. It's oh my god, my soul donut is right there. No, yeah. you know it's the one right I mean, away. I right? mean, like Tim Hortons knows I'm coming. They got the donut. Yeah. It's hanging out the window. If I'm in Ann Arbor, that's where that's where you are, right? Ann Arbor, yeah. And I want to get a good donut, Boston cream or otherwise. Where should I go? Uh, Washtenaw Dairy. Washtenaw Dairy. Dairy. You know, there's a, it's like a classic donut shop. I mean, they don't have Boston cream donuts, but they have those like fresh, like, you know, like you've eaten like six and you're like, yeah. where did these go? It's like those glazed, <laughs> yeah. fresh donuts. Yeah. And like, that's, classic those are really good. Yeah, Washtenaw Dairy all the way. It's the Mary Lou. Of, yeah, yeah, that's but wonderful. probably better than Mary Lou. Sorry, Mary Lou, you used oh, to be Oh, Mary Lou is good. Oh, is oh, oh, under new ownership. No, they're still good. Stop that. So the other thing we like to do, part of the goal of this podcast is, um, other than to not get fired, is to uh, sort of help create a community around the Great Lakes and realize what a special and wonderful resource this is, right? And so one way we do this is by asking the second question. Is there a special place in the Great Lakes that you would like to share with our listeners? And, and what makes it so special? You know, I think, I mean, the Great Lakes for me is about, like, solitude and just, like, forgetting there's anyone ever alive ever. And <laughs> I think that that place is uh, off of Dora County, Wisconsin. You go, like, you drive all the way down Dora County. You jump on a ferry. You're on Washington Island. You jump on another ferry. You're on Rock Island. And you're, like, in the middle of nowhere. And it's just, like, surreal, yeah. beautiful beautiful space so that's like that's my ultimate favorite spot in the great lakes i know where my next vacation is to get away from my kids <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long at all that's the thing the whole the whole island's a state park you can camp yeah. on it you can just be left overnight and you're just stuck on an island it's just beautiful so done and done well Ed Verhamey, Principal Senior Engineer with Limnotech. And um, what, is your, what is your deal at the new place? What's your, uh, what's your title there? Uh, president of Freeboard Technology. President of Freeport Technology and past president of Viagler. The man who is doubly president. Thank you so much for coming on and teaching us all about the Great Lakes. No, thank you. An absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Well, that was excellent. This, rather than have our usual post-show banter, we're just going to wrap up our uh, first inaugural live episode. But first, a couple of thank yous, right? We have a couple of thank yous. Our first thank you is to Dr. Thomas Hook, Director of Illinois United States Grant, for letting us come. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Thomas, for letting us do this. Our second thank you is to the uh, Grand Rapids Brewing Company, Yay! home of some really delicious beers. Yay! Yeah, some 
thank you to them. And, and then, of course, uh, thank you to the International Association for the Great Lakes Research, who have been a great friend of teaching me about the Great Lakes. And the broader, uh, what is the, it's not the, comp, the uh, Joint Aquatic Science Meeting. <laughs> no, there's that there one, but there's the, the, the consortium. Of, a, the consortium, oh, there consortium it is. Consortium of Aquatic Science Societies. There we go, the consortium CAS. Like Mama Cass died eating a sandwich, right? So very appropriate for oh, goodness ourselves. gracious! Just saying. Anyway, so let's... Uh, so Midget, getting kind of itchy, just leave folk music behind. <laughs> I think karaoke is next on Carolyn's list. Teach Me About the Great Lakes is brought to you by the fine people at Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. We encourage you to check out the great work we do at iicgrant.org and at Grant on Facebook and other social media. Twitter, too. Teach Me About the Great Lakes is produced by Hope Charters, who's here tonight. Carolyn Foley, Megan Gunny, Reedy Miles, Ethan Chitty is our associate producer and our fixer. Our super fun podcast artwork is by Joel Davenport. The show is edited by the hardest working person in show business, Quinn Rose. And we encourage you to check her work out at aspiringrobot.com. We should send Chewy there. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email. Teach me about the Great Lakes at gmail.com or leave a message on our hotline at 765 496 IISG for Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. You can follow the show on Twitter, Teach Great Lakes. Sometimes we have polls, sometimes we don't. It depends on if Stuart or Carolyn wins the argument. Regardless, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And of course, keep grading those lakes. <laughs>